Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Most men at some point struggle with motivation to be consistent when it comes to overcoming pornography addiction. They get tired, they feel frustrated, they get hopeless, and then they get discouraged and stop trying. And then something happens or they get found out again or something bad enough happens to motivate them to get going again. Then they go full throttle and then eventually they hit a roadblock, they start to feel tired, they're not able to sustain it, they get tempted, they slip back, and then they just loop in this cycle over and over again. And so I want to share with you today some of the most helpful strategies that I've seen my most successful clients implement to truly find a sense of unlimited motivation to not only overcome their addiction to pornography, but to stay present for their spouse, to repair their relationship, rebuild trust, and ultimately become the person that they were meant to be. This topic has been born out of lots of conversations I've had with both men and women. Because when a woman is in a situation where her husband struggles with pornography, she feels afraid too that he's going to lose motivation. She's seen it. She's experienced the impact of him not consistently trying and being there because she gets hurt. She feels like her trust is broken again. And so, so many times I'll have a woman ask me, like, what if he stops doing these things? Or I see he's making progress right now, but how do I know that's going to last? I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I could totally appreciate that place because of how overwhelming it is when people get stuck in the same old patterns and that there is hurt and then there is dishonesty, there is lying, there is all of these things that come up as a result of pornography use. And so I want to share with you a story about how a couple helped to, how a couple implemented what I want to share with you today, this principle, the key principle here. Uh, I was working with somebody where the husband was doing such good work and she was one of the individuals that I had a conversation with where she said, I see him trying, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. How do I know this is going to be how it is forever? I don't want to let my wall down completely because what if he goes back? And I recognized like that's a legitimate concern. I totally understand that because she had had lots of conversations with him in the past where he said, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is behind me now. I don't want to go back to this. And he eventually struggled and he slipped. And so she could not make sense out of it, number one. And number two, it was so hard for her to actually believe him when he said that so that she could move forward in a different way together. And so it created this impasse because he was doing good work. It was hard for her to receive it. So the relationship wasn't making any progress. And so I totally understood that. And so I shared with her this analogy that I want to share with you, which is I used to work at an office that was about 35 or 40 minutes away from my house. And it took me a long, long time to get there. And after the sessions were over, I'd get home late. And I remember thinking like, if I just had a closer place, how how much nicer that would be. And then I had the thought as I was talking to this client here, I said the analogy, like if somebody showed me a shortcut from my house to the office and it saved me 80% of time, like let's say it only took me, you know, 12 minutes to get there instead of 40 There is no, nobody would need to motivate me to take that shortcut. Nobody would have to twist my arm and remind me to do this thing and stay on my case. And I wouldn't have to stay on my own case because I would want to take the shortcut. I would prefer it. And I told her that when husbands get the right tools, when they learn how to address their problems, their internal struggles, their stress, disconnection in the marriage, when they learn how to deal with all of that differently, 
in a way that's actually effective, they'll start to prefer to do it that way. In the beginning, it feels unnatural. If you're used to doing something in the same way for a long time, it's gonna feel unnatural. There's gonna be a learning curve at learning a new skill. It's of course not as easy as you know steering the steering wheel to the left or right if you found a shortcut that way, but the principle is solid in that if he learns how to be different and it feels better, he's gonna prefer that. So nobody's gonna have to motivate him and stay on his case, which she doesn't wanna do. No wife wants to be the taskmaster to remind her husband to do the things that he should be doing. She doesn't want that, nor is that her responsibility. And so when I share with her, you don't have to do that, which is a good thing because you didn't want to. And secondly, that's how it's sustainable. That's how you sustain motivation to be the person that you wanna be. It's by finding tools and an approach that actually, number one, works for you. And number two, it gives you the result that you're hoping for. Because so many people that I work with, they struggle with this like more traditional way of doing things where it's much more maintenance and they have to find ways to distract themselves whenever they're tempted or there's surveillance or there's filters on the phone or they have to call somebody so they don't slip. Like all these things, it's much more maintenance than it is freedom. And that's why it gets so tiring for people. It's very, very difficult when a husband is triggered to make a phone call. Because in that state, in that autopilot triggered type of a state, it's very difficult to break out of that. And so the different way to approach it is to neutralize the triggers. Because if you're not continually being triggered back into a state where you're feeling tempted, where you're on the edge, where you're having to really battle, if you're not in that place, so many men that I talk to, they say, if I wasn't triggered, if I just like went about my day, which is most of the day, and I don't really think about this much, and then when I'm triggered, everything that I know goes out the window. I go into autopilot. I start to really, I don't really think about the impact it's going to have on my wife. I don't think the, about the impact it's going to have on me and the guilt that I'll feel. It's just this subtle, it's like a slippery slope, but the trigger is the beginning of it all. And so instead of trying to get better at managing triggers, the thing that I've found to be so helpful is that when you identify and can neutralize them so that they're not linked to the addiction anymore, that's how you can sustain this, the, the progress for good. Because somebody might say, well, my trigger is stress. The reality is that you're going to be stressed. That doesn't go away. It doesn't matter how long you live. It doesn't matter how you know, easy life might be in certain phases. Stress is going to appear. So if you don't know how to neutralize stress as a trigger for pornography, it's going to be a battle for a long, long time. And so that's this new way of doing it. And so going back to this couple, I shared with her, like, I totally get where you're coming from. I would feel the same way. If I was in your shoes, I would be scared of the same thing. I, I wouldn't want him to give up and I wouldn't know if he's really going to be able to sustain this. But I shared with her that the difference is that he has new tools now. He's able to deal with his emotions in a very different way because his standard way of doing it in the past was when he was having a hard day, when he felt lonely, when he felt stressed, when he felt tired, he would keep all of that to himself. He'd have a hard day at work. He'd feel bad about something that he did or his boss came down on him or maybe there was a, a disagreement between him and a coworker or maybe he didn't fit in. Whatever the, the situation was, he wouldn't share that with her. He would keep all of that to himself and it would become like this pressure cooker. And the more you keep negative emotions inside without processing or sharing them, the more likely 
you're going to, the more likely that will contribute to you going back to this old pattern. Because ultimately addiction is a way to cope. And if he's struggling with loneliness and inadequacy and failure, it's, it's only a matter of time until it gets too heavy and then the trigger happens and then he goes back to the old cycle. Now, for this particular couple, he just needed, number one, a new way to process those things. And number two, they needed new communication tools between them so that when things got difficult, they knew how to find each other. They knew how to share on an emotional level to really feel supported and seen and loved and accepted because they were so used to getting caught in their negative cycles, which I've done prior episodes about that before, is like so like the really common couples cycles that, that they get into where they're not able to communicate effectively. And I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested in learning about how to interrupt those cycles. But they would get into these fights and disagreements and wouldn't know how to repair. And so that would be another brick for him that he would be carrying by himself because he didn't know how to process that with her. So we did multiple things. We did two or three things. Number one, helped him identify exactly why he's struggling. Number two, gave him tools customized to his situation so that he could deal with his stress differently. And number three, built a bridge between him and her so that when things got difficult, he wasn't going through it alone. And by far and away, one of the most effective things that a man can do, and same, it goes for both really, it's a husband and a wife, is if a wife is struggling with pain, the pain of trauma and mistrust and fear and inadequacy, and if the husband is struggling with fear and anxiety and disconnection, the best thing that you can do far and away is to learn how to share that in a way with your spouse that helps you to feel resolved at the end of the conversation. And they didn't know how to do that because they'd have a difficult conversation. They wouldn't really know how to do it. It would spiral into a fight. He would freeze and wouldn't know how to respond to her. She would get mad because she felt like what she was saying didn't matter. And they would just spin and it wouldn't get resolved. And then the next day would come and they'd try to kind of move forward. But like there was just this elephant in the room. This pattern would happen for years. And so that was another big part of that we did is just help give them the tools that they needed so that they could be different together. And as a result of that, he started to feel differently, not only about himself, but about his ability to resolve problems. He felt better about the relationship. He felt better about his ability to navigate stress at work because he could tackle it in a different way. And so he started to talk about how he didn't want to go back to the old way of doing things. He preferred to be able to let her in and share with her when he was struggling. He preferred to connect with her. He didn't want to keep all this stuff to himself. He didn't want to feel overwhelmed by stress anymore. And because he had new ways of dealing with it, that's how he wanted to be. So going back to the analogy that I shared earlier, that's the shortcut. He preferred to do things in this new way because it just felt better to him. So she didn't have to continue to remind him to open up to her. In the past, he didn't want to talk. In the past, he had un- it was so uncomfortable for him to open up and share how he felt because number one, he didn't know how, and number two, it usually led in- led to a fight, and so subconsciously he would avoid it. He's like, I don't want to go, you know, have a conversation with her. I don't really want to tell her about my day because I know where this lends. She's gonna ask me a bunch of questions. I'm not gonna know how to answer them, and then I'm gonna feel frustrated. Then she's gonna get mad at me, so I'm gonna stay away from the whole thing. So after he started to develop new ways of approaching not only his relationship, but his own inner inner work, that's when the whole change happened. And so he was able to reassure her, I don't want to go back. 
I prefer doing it this way. So I get why you're afraid and I can empathize with that, but I just want to reassure you that I'm different now. And if it takes time for you to see that, I'm okay with that because this is the new me. This is how I'm going to approach things moving forward. And of course, nobody's perfect and we're going to make mistakes and we're of course going to get stuck in our negative communication cycle sometimes. That doesn't go away permanently, but the key is to learn what to do when it happens. That's how you get out of it. And the reason why they don't go away permanently is because so often they happen unintentionally. So the goal is to just help you guys know how to approach each other differently and know how to resolve things so that when stuff comes up, you just you know what to do and it's not a big deal. So that's one key thing that I want to share with you guys is recognizing the shortcut is learning, number one, it's being able to identify, learn how to identify where the breakdown is. Number two, get the tools that you need to resolve the breakdown. And then number three, it's implementing and refining your approach. Because you might say, hey, this thing broke down. So for instance, the communication cycles break down. These are the new tools that we worked on in session. And then they implement those and then they make improvement. Like, hey, that felt really good. And then they get stuck. Then they refine their approach. They get better at implementing it. Then they go back and keep trying. That's ultimately how you can start to resolve things in a different way that helps you feel like there's, again, this shortcut, this better way of doing it. So you just prefer it. So you don't need motivation anymore. The second example that I want to share with you is I remember working with a couple, again, this was years ago. This is probably like seven years ago. And the husband came to me and he talked about how he would get stuck in this cycle of doing really well and he'd be full throttle. He'd be trying his very best. He'd be doing everything that he should be doing in his mind that he should be doing, right? Whether it's like journaling and exercising and, uh, you know, he had this like laundry list of these like recovery related activities he had learned previously. So he thought to be successful, you had to like, you had to run yourself ragged in doing all of these things. The problem though, for him, was that when he was doing all these things, he felt good, he's like, I'm on top of this, and I'm like, I got a handle on this, but then he'd get tired, number one, because it's impossible, if you have a laundry list of things that you have to do every day, you get tired. And so he got tired, and then number two, he started to get tired, and then, he, because he was in a better spot, he would lose the desire or motivation to continue. So he would then think like, you know, it's been a long time since I've slipped. Maybe I can let up. Maybe this, you know, maybe I'm past this. And because he started to let up, that's how he kind of framed it in his mind. Because I let up, I eventually slowly drift back and find myself struggling again. And then I relapse and then I recommit to the process. I do all these things. I put my heart and soul into all this, you know, all the energy that I can muster into these activities. Then he gets further away from the addiction. And then he reaches this point of like, I'm doing pretty well. And then slowly drifts back. He could not get off that hamster wheel. And so I shared with him a couple of things that I want to share with you. Because again, it all, I think it all centers around this idea of motivation. He would lose the motivation because he was doing well. The thing that helped him the most was to recognize, number one, there's a huge difference between freedom and maintenance. And for him, he was doing all the activities as an attempt to maintain his sobriety. And for him, the idea of like not slipping was the goal. I just got to journal and exercise and fill my day up with all this stuff so I don't make a mistake. 
So the step number one for him was to start to reframe things. And instead of journaling and exercising and meditating so he doesn't mess up, I wanted him to shift that so that it was a different outcome he was going for. I wanted him, if he's like, I want to exercise, I like doing all this stuff, great, keep doing what's working in terms of helping you feel good, but frame it in a different way. Instead of working out so you don't slip, work out so you have energy. Work out so you increase your strength. Work out for, you know, whatever the positive benefit is that you're going for instead of the avoidance of the negative thing, which is I don't want to act out. Same thing with journaling. He's like, I got a journal so I don't slip. Shift that to I want to journal so I can better understand how I feel so I can get my needs met. I want to journal so I can have some time to decompress at the end of the day so I can do a brain dump so I can get a good night's sleep. When you frame it in a different way, again, it's no longer, okay, well, I haven't messed up in a while, so maybe I don't need to journal. It goes from that to I'm doing really well and I'm feeling really good because I'm getting so much more sleep. So I want to keep doing that because of the positive benefits of these activities that I'm doing instead of, again, the absence of a negative. That was this like hamster wheel that he kept getting stuck in. So that was one huge realization for him was just framing that differently because you don't lose you know, if, if you're in a place where you're, uh, let me actually describe it this way. Going back to this sleep idea, if he's journaling so he can do a brain dump so he doesn't have to sit there in bed for 30 minutes or 60 minutes and just stew on his day, if that helped him to sleep, nobody that I know gets tired of having good sleep. Nobody that I know or that I've worked with gets tired of feeling connected with their spouse. And so that's, again, the benefit of doing this, this, this reframe is that once you recognize, oh, I'm sleeping so much better, again, it takes far less motivation to push yourself to do it because you start to prefer it. Like I said earlier, you want to get good sleep. And if you know that that's the thing that's gonna do it, it becomes so much easier to focus on that good behavior for the positive outcome than it is to maintain a a good behavior because you're not slipping. Again, the motivation of I don't wanna slip goes away because you haven't in a while. So the framing is one tremendously helpful thing. The second thing that really, really helped him, uh, I guess this is the analogy that I shared with him and I share this often with people. Whenever you have a rock in your shoe and your your foot is throbbing, if you're on this long hike, the problem isn't that you're on a hike. The problem isn't that you you don't have, that you have to exert energy to reach your destination. That's not the issue. The issue is that you have a rock in your shoe and it hurts. And so, The same thing is true when men or women both, when we as human beings are struggling with something. There is a reason why. There's some either painful emotion that we're experiencing that we're not finding relief from. There's some situation that we feel overwhelmed by. And, you know, there's some situation that might be signaling to us that we're failures. There's negative self-talk that goes around that. There's negative beliefs about who we are, being unworthy, being inadequate. Those are like the rocks in your shoe. And so often people feel anxious and that's like their baseline. They just kind of feel anxious. They feel guilty. They feel shame. They feel inadequate and like they're failing. They feel unworthy. They have low self-confidence. Those are the rocks in your shoe. And so the skill that I really, really wanted to focus on with him and helping him learn was to be able to identify exactly what the rock in his shoe was and give him the tools to resolve it. So for him, a big part of why he struggled was when he and his wife fought, uh, 
he got the message in his negative cycle that he was unworthy. And so anytime the relationship broke down, anytime they had a hard conversation, anytime she was upset with him or frustrated, he told himself, the self-talk was, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, and no matter what I do, it's not enough. And understandably, as a result of having that experience, he wanted to talk to her less and less, which again, as you can imagine, caused more problems because there was even less of a connection. There was more distance. She would get triggered. She wouldn't really have a safe place to share. All of this because of how he experienced the disagreements between he and her. And so I really wanted him to focus on two things. Number one, identify what specifically the problem was. Because on the highest level, the easiest thing to acknowledge is the problem is we get into a fight. But that's not, there's not really clear resolution with something as general as that. So this, as I explained this, I would encourage you to think about your own situations because this one skill will have some of the biggest returns if you can really get good at this. It's to identify what within that situation is actually the problem. Because if you just say, I get into a fight with my wife and that's not good, well, yes, that's true. But what about that? Is it that you don't know how to communicate together? Is it that you don't know how to respond to her triggers? Is it that you get flooded with shame when she maybe doesn't believe what you say? Those are the specifics that will help you know how to solve the situation. Because if you just say, I get into a fight, way too general. But if you can chunk it down to, I get flooded with shame when I see her her facial expressions change and her eyebrows narrow. And when I see that face, it tells me that I failed. Then I get flooded and feel horrible about myself. Now you have something you can work with. It's the shame. It's the interaction. It's getting clarification about what she's feeling because in that moment, he would feel judged by her and he would feel like no matter what he did, it wasn't enough. When we started to really get clear about the problem and how he was experiencing it, he was able to have a different conversation with her. So this was number one. So step one, identify what is you pinpoint the problem. Number two, then you address it because pinpointing it allows you then to think about things in a solution oriented way. So for him, the solution-oriented question that he asked himself, and again, this is what I would really encourage you guys to do as well, is this is how I think, that I live my life by this like same framework. I'm always thinking through what's the problem and what do I need to do to solve this specific thing? What's the solution? How? What's the outcome that I'm going for? So for him, it was, I need to have a conversation with her to understand what is she thinking when her eyebrows narrow, because my interpretation of it is I'm a failure. And she thinks that I'm, you know, she thinks I'm worthless. So the solve was to identify that. And then number two, talk to her. And all he did was say, when we get into these disagreements and I see this expression and I hear this tone, this is where I go. I feel like I'm a failure and I get discouraged and I want to go away. So this is how I want to approach things differently. I just want to talk to you instead of me responding with like, self-criticism or anger towards you. I just want to share with you how I'm feeling so I can better understand you. And she said that's that was such a huge thing for her because she could identify, oh, when I'm doing that, it's because I'm. it might seem like I'm mad, but really I'm hurting. I'm scared. I feel hurt by something that just happened. And my protection was, it came out on the surface as anger. I don't see you as unworthy. I really care about you. And when I get hurt, I get scared that we're not on the same team and that I'm all by myself. 
And so for them, that, that one conversation helped pave the way to have lots of other really good little conversations so that whenever they got disconnected, they could approach it differently. And so again, there's hundreds of examples that I could share with you, but this is the principle. You identify exactly where the breakdown is that then helps to reveal the solution by figuring out. So again, in this case, it was we break down and I'm flooded with shame. So how do I need to resolve that? How do I need to approach, number one, my self-talk differently? So changing negative beliefs, challenging self-talk. And number two, I need to better understand my wife because this is the interpretation I get from her. I remember, I'll share with you another quick example. I remember working with a guy who in his business, he had a really hard time um, writing and that was a big part of his job. And I wanted to understand, okay, what is it about writing? He's like, it just takes so long. And he would subconsciously procrastinate and he would avoid his task at work because there was something about the particular task of writing that he just like, it didn't, it, he pushed away from, he didn't like it. So I wanted to understand that more and I'm like, help me understand that. So you're writing, what a part, what, what part about it don't you like? Do you have ideas for what you want to write about? Yes. Do you feel comfortable, you know, on your computer? Like, is your, like, are you comfortable at your desk? Yes. As we started just to kind of really, I don't know, unpack this and, and understand it, the insight came to him was he doesn't like typing anymore because every time he speaks, he uses his phone to like dictate, like a text message. He'll speak the text and he just didn't like the painstakingly slow pace that typing was. And so that was this like real easy solution for him was like, okay, well, what if you just dictate on your phone what you wanna say, send yourself an email, or he had a Mac, so his, all this stuff synced together. What if he just spoke it? And that one small little change instantly, cha like literally overnight, changed his produ productivity at work. Because instead of subconsciously avoiding this thing because there was a negative association with it, he was able to increase his productiv productivity right away. He felt better about going to work and he felt confident that he could actually tackle the task because he then was able to, because he solved the reason why he was procrastinating it. Again, it's a small example, but these little examples show up everywhere in any part of life. It's not just with regard to addiction or trauma, it's with anything. And so I, I would encourage you as you are reflecting on these examples and stories to try to think through your own specific situation. Where do you feel some subconscious avoidance? What are you trying to move away from? Where is it that you might feel like you're struggling? That's where you can really dive in to pinpoint where the breakdown is, whether it's within yourself, within your relationship, with a situation at work, with parenting, whatever it is. I would encourage you to use this framework to pinpoint the issue, come up with a solution-focused question or outcome that you can start to problem solve because that will be the thing that resolves the inner conflict. That'll be the thing that helps to, again, this idea of like motivation to overcome addiction, to become a better parent, to become a better spouse, whatever the goal is that you have, if you're like, oh, I just don't have the motivation for it, there's usually something that's getting in the way. And if you can frame it in this new way and, and focus on the outcome, because again, we don't get tired of progress. We don't get tired of getting energy and feeling confident and feeling secure. It's when we frame it in another way, like I shared in the example earlier, and if we don't know how to resolve it and find solutions, then it gets tiring. The push motivation will fade. But if you're compelled, nah, compelled is not the right word. If you're like so inspired and pulled towards this new outcome that you're trying to achieve, it's so much easier for you to stay in, in motion with that 
because it feels good. You're firing on all cylinders and you're able to actually make progress and it feels very, very different. So I'd encourage you to reflect on that this week and try to implement something in some way in some area of your life so you can start to feel the difference. And that'll be the thing that can ultimately give you sustainable motivation to keep going because of how good it feels as you're making progress. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com slash groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship so you can actually move forward and leave all of this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.